So we have uh, Ben and Sarah Haddix with us today, and they are working to go to Japan. They've, they've been there this past year on a short-term trip, and uh, it's not an easy thing to, to get in, the visas and all the things that have to transpire, but uh, they're making progress, and I believe that God is going to open a door. Their heart for church planning is vital. Their heart for church planning in Japan is vital. It's necessary. And I believe that God is going to use this young couple. And I'm excited to see young couples getting into missions. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Amen. So they're going to come and share their hearts with us and minister to us. Welcome uh, Ben and Sarah Haddix as they come. Good evening. We've already introduced ourselves, so maybe we'll skip that formality. Um, but uh, tonight we just wanted to share with you a little bit about um, what did we do on our short-term trip. I think it's, it's really important for, for y'all to see uh, what, does, what does Japan look like. It's easy for us to throw out statistics. It's easy for us to, to talk about um, what we're going to do in the future, but uh, more effective is it to just show you what we did, show you the people that we interacted with, and show you the ministries that we are involved with. So that's what we're going to do um, this evening. And uh, we've just got a little slideshow with you, and then I'm going to share a little bit more um, about that afterwards. So let's, let's, let's go on. Let's start out with it. Um, so the first, the first area we went to uh, on our mission trip, it was a four-month mission trip, um, and OMF is our sending organization, and they really wanted us to go uh, the first month in February to Thailand so that we could get some cross-cultural ministry training. So this is the first couple pictures here is going to be about Thailand. Um, here you can see our team that we were working with, and... Uh, it, you know, the crazy thing about it is that uh, Pastor Chad was, was talking uh, just now about how, how beautiful it is to see young missionary couples going out to the field, and uh, we were just amazed with the amount of young people that were on this missions trip with us. Um, yeah, I, I shared a, a couple days ago, but I think Sarah was, Sarah was the oldest person of 28, uh, and look, look at how many people are there. That's crazy, right? Isn't that awesome? Isn't God amazing? Let's move on. Um, so uh, our, primary, our primary work in Thailand it was mostly classes. We were in and out of classes uh, most of the days there. Uh, morning started with the worship and, and uh, getting into the word, and then we went right into cross-cultural ministry. And uh, one, of the, one of the most important things I think that we learned um, in terms of being equipped for the ministry while we were in Thailand is that there are three different types of culture, something that I wasn't really aware of before, but there are three different types of culture uh, as it relates to society. You have uh, innocence and guilt societies, which America is a part of. You've got power and fear societies, which are prevalent um, in tribal peoples. Um, and then you've also got uh, honor and shame-based societies, which Japan is a part of. And it's so important for us to know that whenever we do cross-cultural ministry because uh, it affects how the gospel is perceived amongst them. So I can't go to a, uh, an honor and shame society and tell them, especially a Buddhist one at that, because they believe that they already have eternal life and nirvana is an escape from eternal life. Um, I can't preach John 3.16 to them effectively because they believe they already have eternal life. They don't want uh, the eternal life that the Son gives, and that's, that's something that puts them off from Christianity. But I can say something such as, uh, we, have, we have shamed the Father based on our sinful nature, but Jesus came to restore our honor to the Father. So that sort of thing was really effective uh, that we learned um, in Thailand. We can keep moving on there. 
And uh, yeah, one of the other really cool things was that we got to, uh, not, not McDonald's son, um, we were able to go and see some, uh, some business as mission uh, people over in Thailand. They were a Dutch couple that had been working there for a very, very, very many decades um, as coffee, uh, coffee planters, coffee farmers, um, as well as some other uh, subsequent ministries that they did. But they, they were in a very rural village, so we got to go into the mountains and uh, take a look at what rural ministry looked like uh, in Thailand. So that was really, really cool. Um, but let's, let's move on to Japan. This is the important part, right? This is why we're here. This is why we're being sent. So I'll let my wife share just a little bit about that. Yeah, so we finally arrived in Japan in um, March. March 12th is when we finally got there. And I just wanted to share a small snippet of what the Lord was speaking to me personally while I was on the plane to Japan. So when I was 14, the Lord had called me to become a missionary to Japan. And since I was 14, I've been trying to get there and trying to get there and trying to get there. And a lot of doors just kept closing. So for 14 years, the, the doors were just shut, they were shut, they were shut. And that was okay because the Lord was the one shutting them because I needed to arrive when it was his time, not my time. But while I was in the plane in Japan, on the way to there, I was about to land, I just was um, reflecting on, on the promises that the Lord had given me. He had told me that I was going to send you here, and I'm going to make a way for you to get there. And this was the time. I was finally on the plane to finally arrive. And the Lord just spoke in my, my spirit over and over again, I fulfill your promises. I fulfill my promises. I fulfill my promises. And I was just weeping on this plane, trying to keep my composure, but just so overwhelmed that the Lord, in fact, does keep his promises. And he still keeps his promises. And He's promised us again that he would take us back to Japan, and I have full faith that he will absolutely be doing that. So you can move on to the next slide. So while we were in Japan, we were there for three months. We worked with two different churches. The first church that we worked in was in Hanamaki City. This is the city that has 86,000 residents and only two churches for the entire city. So that's a lot of weight for those churches to be holding. The first church wasn't um, biblically sound, and the second church was the one we were working at that we believed was the Bible-based church. On Easter Sunday, we had 25 people, and that was a miracle that we even had 25 people. And it was just an eye-opening experience being able to be there and, and to walk the city and to pray over the city and to see all of the shrines that they have there. They have plenty and plenty and plenty of shrines, but it's just so few churches. So you can move on to the next slide. So this was the church building right here that we worked in, and that was a house that was converted into a church. And so the living room was completely gutted out and turned into a sanctuary. And um, it was right at the corner of this intersection, and it had these big signs, so it was able to be right there. And the second picture we have up there is our team. That was our pastors and some team members on, um, on the leadership team that were helping support that church. Um, what do we have next for Ben? Yeah, so one of my, one of my really big passions that uh, Pastor Thompson and Victory Church helped me discover was uh, my passion for working with youth. And actually, um, Pastor Chad, I discovered this passion uh, when I was at Fusion Bible Camp, uh, helping out as, as, a, as a volunteer. And it's just, it's, it's been with me and God has um, just fanned those flames within me. So one of the things that I, I was able to put on my resume as I was coming in this short-term trip was that I'm, I worked with youth. Uh, Pastor Thompson had given me some opportunities to do that. And so I was very, very 
very pleased when I got plenty of opportunities to do that as well on this short-term trip, both in Hanamaki and in Hirosaki, which we'll be sharing a little bit later. But um, yeah, one of the important things it is, uh, whenever you're going to another culture or another country, um, you can't just assume that you have what it takes to do ministry over there because you've done ministry in a similar setting in America. Um, so <laughs> I, have to, I have to translate my ministry skills with the youth from American to Japanese. And so here you can see them in the back, uh, they're playing. Um, so let me, let me, let me put, put a little groundwork here first. Um, so we're in Hanamaki still. Uh, this is the, so our family that we're being hosted by is called the Gelsthorps. They're from the UK. Um, and uh, they'd been in this area for a couple years now, and their kids had had some relationships grown with some of the children, both in the middle school and the high school. And you can see, uh, barely see the two on either end of those chairs. Um, there's some Japanese students in the middle school and high school, and they're enjoying a game of Mario Party. <laughs> and uh, uh, But what really ministers to Japanese children is ping pong. We found that both in Hanamaki and Hirosaki, so it's important to find those touchstones that we can interact with. Um, and uh, yeah, that was really good. These are, these are uh, uh, every, on the weekends, evenings on Saturday, we would uh, have teen club, and we would uh, share a message about maybe our testimony from something, and it would, it's just a really great way to be able to show the Japanese people um, that, you know, God is real, and we're not talking about the kami, we're not talking about the thousands of gods within your pantheon, we're talking about the God of the Bible, Jehovah, he's real, he works, and this is how he's delivered us, and he can deliver you too. Um, so, let's move on here, and we'll let Sharis hear about teaching English. One of the coolest things that the Lord did while we were over in Japan was he taught us that we kind of like teaching English. I didn't think that that was going to be something that I enjoyed doing, but I really enjoyed doing it. And we had a class of about five people, and all five of them are not Christian. None of them are Christian. They're all very Shinto, very Buddhist. But they were coming together to do this English class that we were offering at this church because they were so desperate for fellowship and so desperate for community. Um, so they were coming, using the English as an excuse, but really it was, to, it was to mingle with each other. And they knew, stepping into that church, that they were going to have to hear a God story. So it was a really cool opportunity to get to know them on a personal level. It was cool getting to share some, um, some Bible stories. In fact, I'll share one little tidbit. Um, uh, there's a chalkboard up there that I'm drawing on, and they love illustrations. They like to have the little cute cutesy things. That's just what they do in Japan. And I had gotten the idea that to teach English, to help them with their English comprehension, I should read them a Bible story from a kid's book, from a kid's Bible. And so I got one of the English kid's Bibles, and I opened up to a random page and saw, oh, I'll do Daniel in the lion's den. So I drew this picture of Daniel in the lion's den on this, on this big board. And I said it very slowly for them to be able to understand the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And I went through the whole thing. And then I had them tell it back to me to make sure that they understood. And when they told it back to me, I asked them, have you ever heard this story before? And every single one of them there said, no, I've never even heard that story before. Is that a common story in America? Yeah, it's absolutely a common story. But they had never heard that. Not a day in their life. They've never heard those common stories that we maybe grew up with. Um, the similar thing happened with um, the uh, feeding of the 5,000. That was another story that I got to share that they had never heard before. And then Psalms 23 was another one that I got to share. And again, this is brand new, brand new information for them. And it was just really cool being able to share that for the first time with somebody who's never heard it. 
Yeah, so um, actually in that class, you can see uh, the man on the right, the smaller picture, the square picture, he's squatting down in uh, some sweatpants and the woman behind him. Those, are, those two are married. Uh, their names are Kinsan and Keiko-san, and they actually run an izakaya, or a Japanese bar in town. Um, if you'll move to the next, uh, on that left, you can see them a little bit more front. He kind of has some crazy hair going on, but he's a really cool guy. Um, but I just want to share something really cool that God did in Hanamaki for us. Um, at, as we came into Hanamaki, one of my very first like kind of requests and prayers to God was, Lord, I really want to be invited to a Japanese home to have dinner. And within that week, um, I was not only invited to this home, but I was also invited to one of the missionary homes, uh, which was really cool. But uh, it's so interesting that this happened. Um, and, and it has to be a God thing because the Japanese people are so not eager to open up. They're very, they're very um, skeptical of, of especially foreigners, but uh, God provided a way for that, for that to happen. You can see a man on the left side here with uh, the red sweatshirt on. His name is Scott, and he was married to a Japanese uh, lady um, just across from him, and uh, Taiko-san was taking our class, and that's, the, that's his mother-in-law. And so she saw, oh, here's some English-speaking people from America. I bet you would really enjoy hanging out with my son-in-law, Scott. And so here we got to, we got to come into their home, and um, we actually ate Texas-style barbecue, which was crazy being in Japan. I don't even have Texas-style barbecue in Wisconsin. <laughs> so that was a real treat, it was. Um, but it was a great opportunity to be able to open up to these people because I believe in Japan especially because we can't, just, we can't just come in there blaring with the gospel. It has to be done within relationship. God opened up a way for us to make a relationship with these people who otherwise would have just passed us by or maybe kept on coming to the English class to, to suit their own desires. Let us give them some uh, community or anything else, but then they'll leave and go on their way. But here we are making a relationship with these people. And uh, as we left Hanamaki, we passed, we passed this relationship on to um, Mark Gelsthorpe, our host missionary, uh, to be able to take care of them. And hopefully today they're still being discipled. <laughs> um, as we, uh, yeah, but mis missionary work isn't just um, ministering to people. Sometimes it looks like us doing uh, labor. Just, just to put it frankly. Um, so one of the big things that we had to do there uh, in uh, Hanamaki Megumi Church was they had a back, a back room that had been, it had been drywalled for a number of months and they just had never gotten around to finishing out. So we were able to go in there and tape in bed and then mud that area. Um, and then we got a cute little mural done on there a little bit later by one of the uh, German girls that was living with us. Um, but that room is now used for uh, children's ministry and just another place uh, for people to come together and to, to worship and do Bible studies in. And that's, it's just, you know, it's one of those things that you, that you might minimize, like, oh, I'm not working with people, um, but people will eventually be worked with in that room. And there's so much to say about what an atmosphere does to worship and to fellowship. I mean, you can, you can tell the difference. Whenever Noah's not here playing the piano or playing the guitar and we're praying, as opposed to when he is, it just, the atmosphere carries power to it. It does. Um, and then finally, uh, one last thing that uh, we got to do in Hanamaki, um, at least for me, working with youth, was, uh, now, none of these kids look Japanese, and that's because these are missionary kids uh, with OMF. Um, and they are, mostly they're from, they're from the UK, but there's another girl there, uh, another family there from America. Um, but every Sunday night we would be able, or I, I would be able to lead a, um, a Bible discussion with them and uh, go through some Bible curriculum. We did Ruth, we did Jonah, um, and then we would play some games there. But that was, it's so important to be able to pour into those missionary kids as well because they're, they're the ones that will 
they were kind of drug in there. Uh, Jacob Mills says, uh, drug child, right? <laughs> they were drugged <laughs> to the fields. Um, and I think that's, that's really accurate. Uh, but, you know, these kids, they have the spirit of God living within them, too. They have the power to share the gospel, too. And a lot of the ways that we get to reach the youth is through their interactions with uh, their kids in their high school. So it's just as important to be pouring into them as well. And that was a great opportunity to do that. Uh, the next slide, please. So this was a really cool experience. We got invited into a Japanese high school to do a presentation on America. <laughs> so um, if you can barely tell, that very top one is a bunch of slides about Wisconsin with our cheese heads and our farms and our packers, because that's important. And we were able to share a little bit about American culture to this really cool class of uh, students who were wanting to learn English. And it was really, um, the Lord just, you know, he, he, he casts so much vision. There's so much vision that he casts when we're in these little with these little opportunities and these little moments. I had a moment with the girls. They were all asking me a question in English and their, their broken English that they're trying to learn. And we had connected on a simple commonality of the type of music to listen to. There's the simple little commonality and they, just burst with, with life whenever they found out that I understood something that they were talking about. And it was just, it was so cool because it was that moment of, of the Lord saying, look what could be done, look what I could do, look what, what future youth ministry is gonna look like, and look at these children who I love desperately and whose hearts I'm trying to go after. So that was just such an amazing opportunity for us. We did not expect to be able to go into the high school, but we were super excited that we did. Next slide, please. Ah, this is also one of my favorites. I get really excited to talk about Asia. <laughs> um, this was really, really cool. So um, they don't celebrate Easter in Japan whatsoever. They don't really celebrate Christmas. They kind of do, but it's very superficial. So one of the really cool opportunities that we had while we were in Japan, happened to be in March, was we got to share an Easter event and an Easter message. So what that looked like was us being able to use a little bit of our designing skills to create a, a flyer, hand those flyers out to the community, and then we invited the community into the church to, to do an Easter craft and to talk about what Easter is like in America. And Ben did a fantastic job at uh, preaching that message, and then we had our pastor help translate that. And this is some, for some of them, this is the very first time they've ever even heard the gospel message. And what a really cool opportunity to use culture as a, as a pathway into, into Jesus. And I think I have another slide with that as well. So on one side, we did sugar cookies, and we got to show them how to decorate sugar cookies. That's just not something that they do in Japan. And uh, a lot of them really enjoyed, enjoyed doing that for the first time. And then the second craft we got to do was make little bunnies out of socks. And they just love community. They love doing things together. And it was just such a sweet opportunity to fellowship with these, with these people that are just so loved by the Lord. So the second city that we went to was Hirosaki. And uh, this is a bit, a bit of a larger city. Um, it was... It was about 180,000 or so people there. Uh, so here you can see the cityscape. It had, uh, in the bottom right, there's Mount Iwaki. And uh, yeah, it's just, it, it's awesome to see the nature in Japan and, and the wonderful architecture. Um, on the left side, you can see like a pagoda. And the outside, it, it's, 
The pagoda is actually incredibly indicative of Japanese culture and Japanese spirituality because on the outside, it's beautiful. You know, it's got all these layers and all this intricate worksmanship um, on the outside, but when you walk inside, it's completely barren. It's empty. There's nothing inside of it. Um, there's none of that special care as, as was on the outside, and it's just a hollow space. And that's kind of what Japan is like, too. Um, but that's Hirosaki. So while we were in Hirosaki, we got to do a little bit of children's ministry on that next slide. Um, so here we were working with uh, some Canadian missionaries uh, called the Gents, and they had been there for several decades. And one of, the, one of their lasting ministries was to children in the community. Um, so the parents would come and drop them off on a particular day of the week, and uh, we would teach them English, basically. But uh, everything that we do is accompanied with a Bible story or a gospel message or some sort of testimony, um, and then they get snacks at the end. That's children's ministry for you. Um, and then on the right here, you can see... Oh, go back one more. Um, on the right, you can see a bunch of, a bunch of these uh, expression cards, and that was a really big ministry that we did in Hirosaki as well. It was a little bit less focused on ministry with people and a little bit more focused on um, kind of working with our hands and doing uh, more manual things. Just because of the nature of, there was a lot of missionaries that were there, and so we need to find all, all, all this stuff for us to do, but the Lord was so kind, he was able to use our giftings there, and my wife is just a great artist. <laughs> and so here she is drawing, uh, we drew about 200 of these expression cards and flashcards for English learning, which will be used in ministry uh, for children's, um, children's things across the area. Um, so we were actually just making copies so that they could be used by missionaries who were being sent out for outreach programs. And so that was that, and then if you'll move on, um, one of the really cool things that we got to do is uh, some uh, English, English classes as well, or more, more like English groups. It was more of like a group thing, uh, but uh, that was on Saturday nights. We would have a bunch of people come from local high schools um, in the area. Not, again, none of these people are Christians. It's, it's like 0.25% evangelical Christianity in Japan, so pretty much any person you see, if they're not a part of church leadership, they're not a Christian. They have probably never heard the gospel in their entire life before, and it's just, it's, it's fertile soil to be able to plant seeds of the gospel. So here we are, we have these young men over here, and we're, we're reading, a, reading a Bible uh, scripture, and they're working on their English, but th at the same time, they're getting, that, they're getting that, that gospel seed planted in them. Um, and it's just a beautiful thing to see. Uh, one of our other really, really big things that we did in Japan um, was we did we planted out, or we, we handed out 5,000 uh, church flyers to be able to tell people that, hey, there was a church here, and there's something for you to do. There's English classes, whatever. Um, and on the on that left side, you can see our, our Google Maps. We took a screenshot, and we just kind of like traced it out. Uh, we ended up handing out about 5,000 of these, of these church flyers out over the course of about three or four days. And uh, we were putting on about 40,000 steps per day, <laughs> 12 miles or so. So we were, we were doing a lot of work there. But I just want to encourage you, in your own cities, this is a great way, to, great way for you to do ministry. Even if you don't have flyers or anything to hand out, do, go, go to Google. Take a, take a section of, of your city or of a neighborhood block or something and just go walk every single street over there and just pray. Just pray, Lord, let these people come to, come to know you. Lord, uh, give us an opportunity to be able to minister to them. It's an incredibly effective way to do ministry. Even if you have nothing to give them, you have prayer to give them, and you have the gospel to give them, and that's enough. Um, and then finally, at the end, um, we were able to do a little bit of touring around Hirosaki City since it's a little bit bigger. I mentioned yesterday, um, as I was introducing ourselves, that... Uh, 
Hirosaki was a little bit more of a historical missionary sending ground. Um, of course, that was back then. Uh, a lot of things happened, and, and uh, there was some persecution, and a lot of Christians got martyred, and a lot of the missionaries got martyred, and Japan closed their borders. But here's one of the remnants of that time. Um, on the right side, you can see uh, a brick-and-mortar church over there. And I said before, but um, with the aging Japanese pastors, it's, all, it's really only a matter of time because they have nobody else to, to, to rise up in leadership and take their spot whenever they either retire or die because of old age. Um, these churches just become landmarks. They become tourist attractions instead of a place where you can receive a living word. And it's, it's a saddened thing. Uh, this is the state of Japan, and this is why God has sent us to the country, because they are incredibly needy spiritually. They have everything they need physically, but those people need the gospel like no other. Um, so while we are in Hanamaki and Hirosaki, based on our presentation, you might be under the impression that our primary work was ministry. Uh, but to Sarah and me, truly the Lord's work that was at, at, in our hearts was that vision casting uh, that he was allowing us to do. We waited so long to come to Japan, and, and while we were waiting, we, we would constantly watch these like YouTube videos about Japanese culture. What is their food like? Uh, what, is, what is Japanese sports like? What is the language like? What is shopping in a Japanese mall or a, a grocery shop, a grocery store look like? And we were doing these things in an attempt to kind of prime ourselves, so to speak, so that when we got to Japan, we wouldn't have so much culture shock. Um, and that helped us a little bit, but the truth is that we are missing out on one really, really important thing, and this is something that these short-term mission trips are probably the most good for, and that is um, it allows the Lord to cast uh, vision for your future ministry in this country. So I just want to take a few moments to tell you all a little bit more about that. So when I talk about casting vision, what, what does this mean? I believe that vision in this sense comes from the Lord. Like It's divine guidance. It's, it's revelation. And it's what we're supposed to be pursuing in our line of work. You could be a, a craftsman, you could be an artist, you could be someone who works with steel or construction, or you could be working in ministry. It really doesn't matter. You can cast vision no matter where you are or who you are. Um, so sometimes it can be big picture, it can, it can deal with things 10 years down the road, or sometimes it can just get you to the next day. It can be those very fine details. But either way, the, I, I believe those of us who work in a ministry can attest that without this vision casting, this, this divine guidance, um, we would find ourselves be doing, or we would be finding ourselves doing something of much less substance if we didn't have that vision casting. Uh, we might find ourselves going. We would look at a church that's succeeding over in Louisville and say, "Oh, let's let's copy what they're doing because it seems to be working for them." But how many of y'all know that you can't just copy and paste ministry styles? You can't copy and paste uh, events. Um, it just doesn't work, and that's not the heart of God either. The heart of God is for you to reach out, uh, to seek him, to be praying after him and know his heart so that he in, in turn would hand down uh, that vision to you and give you success in your ministry or your line of work no matter what it is. Um, so what does the Bible say about this? Proverbs 29, verse 18. It says, where there is no vision, some other translations might read revelation or divine guidance, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So God is declaring that if we are to continue to prosper as a people, we need to be willing to hear what the Lord is saying in our particular line of work and cast a vision that is aligned with that revelation that God has given us of what we want our work to be focused on in the future. 
And our work is going to be church planting. And, uh, so, but I did, I did say that the greatest work that the Lord was doing in us was, um, it was allowing us to cast that vision. So I want to talk a little bit about what is the vision that the Lord has cast for a future ministry in Japan. I'm going to let Sarah tell you a little bit about one of those pieces. One of the cool things that the Lord, there's a lot of cool things. I feel like I've said that a thousand times, but there's a lot of really cool things that the Lord did. And one thing that he showed us, probably the biggest picture that he gave me when I was in Japan, was just absolutely how massive God's church actually is. And you have people all over the world whose worship is so sweet, even though it's in a different language. The spirit is so sweet when they worship in Japan, and it goes up the same. When they take communion, that spirit is still there. It's the same one in Japan as it is in Mexico, as it is in Tanzania, as it is here. And, and it's absolutely how massive the Lord's church actually is. And so the Lord began to put some things in us that was about church planting. We knew that that was what we, we are feeling led to go in that direction, but how do you plant a church? Where do you even begin, especially in a city where there absolutely isn't even a building that you can buy? Well, I can tell you a couple of things that the Lord gave us was he, he, he showed us that a church can thrive in a living room, that we can change the living room into a sanctuary, that we can, we can bring people, even as small as the gathering is, he meets us there. He meets us there. Even if there's only three people, ten people, he meets us right there in that sanctuary that was a living room. And so we have vision to see that. We have vision to see um, houses turned into churches. <laughs> And small gatherings turned into prayer gatherings. And we're just super excited to see how the Lord's going to provide in that way. Um, another, you know, I talked about the English classes. That has been such a cool thing that we were able to do. And it's a vision that the Lord gives us to, to do in the future as well. So we can definitely bring them in with our, with our advantage of knowing a different language that they're interested in. <clears throat> and to teach their cult uh, culture, too. They love to exchange culture, so it's such a cool opportunity to invite people in just because we're not quite Japanese, which is, in this sense, a good thing, that we're not quite Japanese. Um, but one other really cool thing is that the Lord, you know, while we were in Japan, Ben and I started doing some daily walks, you know, to help our marriage so that we had a space to talk, for our health, for a bunch of reasons. We needed to get out and actually do some walking. And we found this, a, this, found this uh, baseball stadium. And the baseball stadium had this big walking trail around it. And so every morning, Ben and I went out and walked around this baseball trail. For a month, we did that. And the first, within the first couple days, you can already tell who the regulars are, who the other people are that are coming to, to do the walk with you. And um, it started with simple, Good morning, good morning. And it's so fun how the Lord, as we were doing that for the month, eventually those regulars stopped, noticed us, noticed us and wanted to talk to us. And the Lord spoke to me in those moments and said, look what I can do. Look that when I have you planted here and when you are consistent with what I'm asking you to do, that the people will take notice. And I didn't even have to do anything other than be obedient, but they took notice. So it's like really um, another vision. Lord, you've given us yet another vision of how we can 
impact the community and how, how we're going to make friends with, with these people and eventually bring them over to our, our church home. So there you go. Another really great um, vision that the Lord was helping us cast, uh, specifically in me, was how we were going to be doing youth ministry. Um, how many of you know that the health of the body relies on the next generation? When I go into a church uh, and, I, and, I'm, and I'm trying to perceive, is this a healthy church? I look at the youth program. I look at what, is, what, what are Wednesday nights looking like? Uh, are they filled up? Is it, is it, just, is it just the parents coming? Or do they have some other plan for their kids? Are they at football? Um, so this, the, the youth program is really at the core of the, of the health of the body of Christ. Um, so we, we were able to do a lot of youth ministry in Japan, uh, from children's classes to, to MK work to, to, to English clubs to being invited into high schools. The Lord just opened up the doors for us, and that was massive for us to be able to do this vision casting of youth ministry there. And it continued to grow that fire in me for youth ministry. Um, so it's funny, actually, uh, coming back from Japan uh, immediately after that was Fusion Bible Camp. And so as I got to serve as a, as a as youth volunteer over there, um, I began to weigh in my mind, what were the differences between American youth ministry and Japanese youth ministry? And I, I began to think to myself, well, actually the church in Japan is so underdeveloped that there's hardly a youth program outside of, I don't, I don't know, some, some of the events that we have. Uh, but there certainly wasn't really a distinction between children's and youth and you know, maybe older youth and young adults. It just, they don't have the infrastructure for that. So, so the Lord began to cast vision in me, in me that I would love to see something like Fusion Bible, Fusion Bible Camp in Japan as well. Um, we've seen small, small pieces of it tried to be replicated uh, over at um, uh, Caleb Benedict's area. He's got, he's got a youth camp going over there. Um, but I would just love to see that happen in the north of Japan for me as well uh, in our ministry. Um, another thing that's kind of near and dear to my heart now, it's, it's a very, it's a very uh, new and fresh vision that the Lord's been planting in me, but did you know that in Japan there are tens of millions of abandoned homes? It's a, it's a really weird thing uh, because of uh, a combination of the aging population in Japan. They've been a population decline for the last couple of generations, um, but also some of their weird building code issues. It makes it more advantageous to just leave the area and leave abandoned homes there rather than to demolish them or you know, sell them. Uh, so what an opportunity, though. <laughs> what, a, what a great way for us to be able to look at an area and say, I could use that abandoned home as a church. In America, we have such a hard time getting real estate because it's, it's tied up in, you know, people, people have, have uh, sentimental value attached to it and they want to get a buck off you. But these places are just eyesores in Japan. They've been sitting there for decades and decades and they're kind of just went, wanting to get rid of them. And the biggest cost associated with uh, getting a church up and running is not acquisition of the property, but it's renovating it, <laughs> just getting the building materials and moving the trash out. What an awesome way for the Lord to be able to build up a church and have an area for worshipers to come together um, while we're maybe just meeting in the living room. So I just, I just wanted to share those, those pieces of vision with you because I, I want to instill something in you tonight, and that is that where, wherever you are in your line of work, wherever you are in your life, and whoever you are, the Lord is not done with you. He wants you to cast that vision. I don't want to see you perish. I want to see you flourish. And the Lord wants to see you flourish too. And the way that you do that is you attune to the heart of God through prayer, through meditating on his word, and you reach out and you cast a vision that's in line with, his, with your work that's going to be affecting uh, the kingdom of God for the advancement of the gospel. So we just wanted to plant that in you tonight. And uh, thank you. Um, 
Yeah. Um, and before we head off, I just wanted to give you a couple of pieces of information. We do have a booth back there. And if, you're, if there's anything about tonight that gave you a burden to start praying for Japan, but you may not know how to pray for Japan, we have materials to help you. I got you. We have these really cute um, kimono over here. You can, and they, when you open them, it talks about Japan and some of the needs there and how to pray for them. We also have a 30-day Bible guide on how to pray for Japan. It's really, really cool resources. They're free. Please go pick one up because um, we have them here for you guys. And then lastly, if you're interested or if it ministers to your heart, I do have some art pieces that are over there. It's a series specifically about Jesus in Japan, so all of them are Jesus in Japan. So um, please go over there, pick up some materials, and we are just so blessed to be here. Thank you so much. Hey man, thank you, Ben and Sarah. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Amen. Hey man, I believe they're going to flourish in church planning. Amen. So let's keep them in our prayers and uh, just keep lifting them up and pray. Pray for the open door for them to uh, get access into Japan. It's quick. Amen. Praise God. So we have Jacob Mills here as well. He's working in Kenya and Tanzania. Uh, grew up most of his childhood anyway in in uh, Kenya as his father was a missionary there. And so welcome Jacob Mills as he comes to share what's been going on there with their ministry. Thank you, sir. All right. I'm going to invite you guys to come over and do all the things you're about to see on the pictures. So let's roll this. I've got it timed at five seconds. That's me, my son James, my wife Kimberly in our backyard. Uh, we live in Kenya, which is right on the equator. These are some friends of ours and fellow workers right on the equator sign. Kenya is known for the Maasai. These are some friends of ours that have a choir. We use motorcycles a lot. This is an unhappy goat. The material that we give out, the Bible, the shepherd's staff, I'm on television from time to time. And we have a children's uh, TV show. We've got two full seasons. You can visit us, kahawamedia.com is our website. These are forms. Every one of those forms is from a pastor asking for one of the materials we just showed, specifically for this book, The Shepherd's Staff. It's a Bible school and a book. We've also got uh, the Action Bible, which is a cartoon Bible that we use for youth. These are a bunch of kids using that Bible. We print tons and tons and tons of material to hand out to church leaders. And we distributed across East Africa mostly by bus. Martina's getting ready to take a bunch. Uh, and we've also got an art department. We're making a cartoon now that tells the story of how a group of Maasai came to the Lord. That's Makanya, our artist. We do leadership training. This is talking about the Great Commission. This is a whole room full of pastors learning to get the Great Commission in their church and begin sending missionaries out into the field. That group has sent missionaries to five countries in East Africa. This is the place in Uganda I'm going. They've got 1,500 pastors coming in three weeks. We also do Sunday school teacher training. This is us showing people how to do arts and crafts, a bunch of kids using memory card games. We teach them how to use and illustrate Bible stories. This is Nikki teaching a group, and then this is one of the students now teaching what she's learned. 
I think we've got another, this is a young man teaching the group. He's got a desert and the children of Israel running through the desert. When they're finished, they get a certificate. For many of them, it's the only certificate they've ever gotten in their lives. We had 190 plus at the last time and only four teachers, which didn't work well. God gave us a piece of land. That's a donkey on a piece of land. Had an old beaten down building, which we've put a new roof on and it doesn't leak anymore. And we've got three houses that are going up, and that's just kind of a really pretty picture of that piece of property. We got approval from our county to build three houses. The rent from the houses pays for the ministry long-term. That's the idea, but they just shut us down. That's, uh, again, myself, my son James, and my wife Kimberly. And so that's my 35,000 words. Picture's worth a thousand words. Just give you an idea of what we're doing. We're discipling cultures through media, and God has given us an unbelievable just impact where we are. We, 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 we're just regular old people. What we've done is we've said yes kind of a lot, and as we've said yes, God has blessed what we've done, and it's been amazing. I want to talk to you tonight about, about that, about getting in the habit of saying yes to God, and as you get in the habit of saying yes to God, watching how it is that he uses you in spite of your best efforts he'll make you successful in spite of your flaws in spite of all of the the opposition and whatever else happens god's word doesn't return void and so i just want to tell you tonight a bunch of stuff you already know i want to tell you to do something that you already know you're supposed to do and then i want to try to give you some real quick tools about how to do that so in order to do that i need your help i need your participation uh, no matter where you are in here, unless you're in the sound booth, you get a pass. But everybody else, can you get into the front three rows? Just leave your stuff and come into the front three rows. And by that, I mean, uh, Pastor, if you guys would get back one row. So you need to have a row of chairs in front of you, but just cram in. We need to all be next to one another. The idea is to try to get into your personal space. I'm trying to make you uncomfortable. So if you're uncomfortable, we're doing well. Let's get together. Come on, guys. Come on. Everybody up front. I want to talk to you about the Great Commission, and what I want to talk about is just who, what, where, and how. Let's turn, if you will, in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm just going to read four verses from 17 to verse 20. These should be familiar, a familiar passage, that 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 to 20. I want to ask answer the question. When we talk about the Great Commission and missions, the question first to me is who? Who's called? So verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled to us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself and not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. These verses show us who it is that ought to be ministering. If you look at verse 17, it tells us that if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. These verses are talking to 
anyone in Christ. And so if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for one second, if you just said amen at the end of the sinner's prayer, these verses are talking to you. Old, young, new, it doesn't make any difference. Every single Christian is called, verse 17, every single person. Verse 18, all of us have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Verse 19 tells us that God has given us the word of reconciliation. In Kenya, our government is put together, same here, but you feel it more there. You've got a ministry of. So if you're in the tourism industry, you report to the Ministry of Tourism. If you're in education, you report to the Minister of Education. And if you're a Christian, you're in the Ministry of Reconciliation, and you are a minister. You have a portfolio in the Ministry of Reconciliation, and you have a manual you're supposed to learn in order to help you do the job, and that is the Word of reconciliation. And then in verse 20, we find out that we are ambassadors of Jesus Christ. Now, I live overseas, and so I, I want to I just point out, like, when I need a passport, I go to the U.S. Embassy in Kenya. Right? You guys with me? Okay. I used to live in Tanzania. When I needed work done on James's adoption, for instance, I went to the U.S. Embassy in Tanzania. And basically, wherever you go in the world, you'll find an embassy from the United States. We're a massive superpower. We've got nukes, we've got submarines, we've got all kinds of stuff I want that I don't, I'm never gonna get a nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, but I want one, right? We got all this stuff, and the ambassador, when he walks in to the government offices in Kenya, he doesn't walk in representing himself. He doesn't walk in representing whatever's in his closet or the house that he has. He walks in representing the full faith and credit of the United States of America and the full military might of this country. And when he says, I think we should do such and such, or would you consider doing something else, people listen. Not because that guy is anybody, but because the place from which he is coming is something that matters. And I want to tell you, we are part of the kingdom of God, and as ambassadors, we also have that same authority when we go and proclaim the word. But I want you to notice something about embassies and ambassadors. Where's the closest U.S. embassy to this church? There's not an embassy in Chicago. That's not true. There are no U.S. embassies in this country. None. Why? Because you can't send an embassy or an ambassador to yourself. And so church, where can you not be an ambassador? Inside the church. Your job, your role, everything that God has called you to do has to take place outside of the church. And the role of the church then, properly understood, is to equip us to do the job that God has called us to do. Are you with me? All right, let's move on then. So that's who, it's all of us. And what, oh right, one more thing. Verse 20 also tells us that we're Christ ambassadors as though God were pleading through us be reconciled to God. What does pleading look like? Well, I've got a 12-year-old. I can tell you exactly what pleading looks like. Pleading looks like the candy counter at the checkout line in the grocery store and the 12-year-old. You with me? Oh, Dad, please. 
and he starts to tell me how good a dad I am and how much the candy that I'm going to get him is going to... Pleading. Pleading. Please. Please. My life with Jesus is so much better than it was without Jesus. He wants to have a relationship to you, with you. Please be reconciled to Christ. You don't start by telling people that they're sinners and they're going to hell and all the rest of it. You just tell them that there is an answer to the questions that they have and you present your heart to them and say, please be reconciled to Christ. Are we together? The next thing I want to say is I want to take us to Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 and 19, a super unbelievably well-known verse, set of verses. Matthew 28, 18 and 19, we call this the Great Commission. Jesus came and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. So go and make disciples to all the nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so this answers the question, what? What is it we're supposed to do? Verse 18 says, this Jesus talking, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And verse 19 says, therefore, go. That's it. This is the gospel. It's like unbelievably straightforward. Hold this. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to Jesus. Therefore, go. There's nothing in this set of verses at all that gives any of us any way out. It doesn't matter who you are, you've got a good excuse. I know about that. I have them as well. Some of you are too young to go. Eh? Others are too old. Some of you can't go until you get married. Others are married and can't go because you're married. Some of you have little kids, so you can't go. Others of you, you follow me. You haven't got enough money or you're responsible for a business and the money is keeping you from going. You need an education or you can't go because you're getting an education or you can't go because you're paying for the education. It doesn't matter what you are, who you are, what your situation is. You've got a good excuse. I know about that. The problem is it doesn't fit with what the Word of God says. The Word of God says Jesus has authority. Go! Are we together? All right. I know you know about that. So now I want to move to where? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. And now we're going to figure out why I have you all crammed together. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. I want to talk about the three hands that we need in order to do what God has called us to do. It says, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And, and that's a real key word, the word and. If you've got a notebook or whatever, underline that. And. Jerusalem and, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. If you look up there, we've got commas, right? Jerusalem, comma, and in all Judea and Samaria, comma, and to the ends of the earth. So, you guys are good Christians, and I know about that. So, we like to illustrate how good of Christians we are. So, if you all stand up. Here's the deal. Your chairs represent your life, your work, your family, the commitments that you've made, and those sorts of things. So back up until your legs are touching your chair. Now the rule is you can't quit your job. For the purposes of this illustration, you can't come out of contact with the chair behind you. Are you together? 
So everybody's touching the chair behind me, or behind you. I don't have a chair behind me. Right, now, the Bible says that you're supposed to be witnesses to the world, beginning in your Jerusalem, which is your family and those people right around you. So take out a hand and one, one hand and just find one other person, pair up, and just put one hand in the hand of one other person. So you should be two, 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 all around the room. And some of you who are just really bad at coming forward may need to come forward or whatever, or maybe you can get somebody back, but two, 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 all around the room. Show me your hands. All right, most of you are now effectively witnessing to your Jerusalem. Well done, thank you, that's beautiful. But you also, according to the scriptures, need to be witnessing to your Judea and Samaria. Are you with me? Yeager, will you help me out? Will you come up here? I need, I just need a victim. So, <laughs> are you willing to be from another country? All right, can you, can you come over here? Right inside this line of tape, this is Uzbekistan. Now, he's from Uzbekistan. Never once in his whole life ever heard the word Jesus, much less anything about the gospel. No idea at all. We together? All right, so all you have to do is stand there. Good. Right. So, one hand, your Jerusalem. The other, the, your Judea and Samaria. And in this place, in this church, you guys are reaching your Judea and Samaria really nicely. You're going across the river in the region and doing all sorts of things. That's reaching your Judea and Samaria. It's easy for people in this church to do that by just participating in the things that this church is already doing. And I encourage you to do that. So, you're doing that. Good on you. Go ahead and let's show that. Take another hand and join it to somebody else. And now, So now what should happen if we're doing this properly is that every single person in the room is now linked to everyone else in one continuous line. Right? So grab hold of everybody. We're all now witnessing. But Try to make sure you kind of keep in contact with your chair because you, you're still doing your job. You're still working. You're still doing the thing. You're paying your taxes and being a good citizen of the country. Are we together? So now with one hand, show me the one hand, you're Judea, Jerusalem, and the other hand, uh, Judea and Samaria. Excellent. And the Bible says, just check it, and. So Jerusalem, show me that. And Judea and Samaria, show me that. Woohoo! And the end of the earth. Are you with me? The Bible says, and. So, what I want you to do now, without breaking any of the rules that I've given you and holding on and doing the other two, is I want you to reach him. This is not a trick question. I'd like you to reach him. You can't leave your jobs, right? Remember, that's the rule. You can't quit your job. I need you to reach him. You're Christians. It says, and. You're doing Jerusalem. Yay! You're doing Jeru Judea and Samaria. Woohoo! And the ends of the earth. So reach him. No, no. You're holding hands, remember? <laughs> Come on. What are we going to do? How do we reach him? What do you do? You, you, you send somebody. There, your problem is, I think, you all want to send somebody, but there's nobody so far willing to go. Is there, is there anyone willing to go? You'll go? She's willing to go. The problem is she cannot go unless other people send. Is there anyone willing to send? All right. You guys all willing to send? 
You're willing to go? Go. So break those handholds and go put your hand in his hand. And bring him out of the kingdom of the darkness and into the kingdom of light. You see that? Now I've got a question for you. You're off the hook, young man. You can head back. You've you got to stay a minute. You're my new victim. My question is this. She was able to be sent because you enabled her by sending. Are you together with me? Which is most important, the sent one or the senders? Both. So you think both are equally important? Well, brilliant. That's great. Have a seat. I'm going to ask you a series of questions. All you have to do is say yes. Can you do that? Yes. Lovely. All right. So I, I understand that you've uh, decided to be a missionary. Is that true? Yes. Wow. And uh, you're going to go uh, over to Uz Uzbekistan. Is that true? Yes. And eat yak butter in tea. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. And isn't it true that you just finished building the dream home you've been planning your whole life? Yeah. And you, you bought all that land and you got all that put together. Is that true? Yeah. And you're going to leave all that stuff for the sake of the gospel? Yeah. Wow. And uh, you, have, you have grandkids, right? Yeah. And you're going to leave those grandkids behind and go halfway across the world for the sake of the gospel. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. And I've heard you've been having trouble raising support and you, you don't have a whole lot of money. You're going you're gonna to give up the nice life you have there, here and go there and live on less. Is that true? Yeah. For the sake of the gospel. Yeah. Wow. And, and you're going to live in a little hut with no heat. Is that true? Yeah. Wow. You get the idea. Thank you. That's it. On a scale of 1 to 10, our missionary, give her a hand. On a scale of 1 to 10, our missionary, what do you think her level of commitment was? 10. Had she made sacrifices to go? I want to ask you this. Which is more important, the sent one or the sender? You said earlier they were equally important. And I want to suggest to you that if it's okay for the sent one to have a full level of a commitment, if that's right and proper, and it is, that it's also right and proper for the senders to have an equal level of commitment. Are you with me? And that if it's okay for the sent one to make sacrifices, that it's okay for God to demand sacrifices of the senders as well. Are we together? And I'm not saying that because I'm a missionary. I'm saying that because I'm a child of God, and he's put it in my heart. This is my life message. This is what I'm preaching to churches in Kenya. This is what breaks God's heart. We are told to ask him to send people into the field. And when I go to missions conferences, I'm considered young. I'm 46. I'm not young. We need more. And so I'm asking God, and I'm asking all of you, consider, especially young people, the call that God has put in your life. If you'll go and do what God has called you to do, you will live a joy-filled life, and you will see the hand of God in your life, and you'll have amazing stories, and, and it is awesome, this blessed life that is available to all of us. And with that in mind, I want to ask you something. Where is or where are the ends 
of the earth. This is my closing thought. Where is that? And I want to tell you today that I am, and you're, you're a missionary. You've sent me, you've sent many of us in this room across the world to the ends of the earth from your perspective. Because you can't do what God told you to do without partnership. You can reach your Jerusalem yourself, and you can reach your Judea and Samaria yourself, but you can't reach the end of the earth without partnership. Are we together? But where is the end of the earth? I live in Nairobi, in Kenya, and I'm taking care of my Jerusalem. I'm reaching my Judea and Samaria by going to Tanzania and Kenya and Uganda and doing what God has called me to do. And I am relying on you to reach the ends of the earth. There's this weird place that I've heard of called Louisville, southern Indiana. And there are people there who don't know anything about the Lord. And they eat stuff like grits and popcorn. Can you imagine such a thing? They drink a drink that's black, cold, and fizzy. And they put ice, frozen water in it. They call it Coca-Cola. Those people haven't heard the gospel but there are Christians living in that place. And those people, those Christians, rub shoulders every day with non-Christians. And I am relying on those Christians to reach the ends of the earth with the gospel. And so I want to I ask you, please, do your bit for the kingdom of God. Send, but also go. If you're a young person in here today and you don't know what God's called you to do, may I suggest to you, do something, do anything. The Holy Spirit works in all of our lives like the steering wheel on a car. If you'll take a step with God, even if it's in the wrong direction, he can guide you and steer you as you take a step and another step and another. He'll guide you to where you're supposed to be. Until you take a step, it doesn't matter which direction the wheels are facing, you won't get where you're going. So take a step for God. Go. Be mighty and transform this place for the Lord. Thank you so much. God bless you all. Good night. Amen. Wow, what a perfect cap on uh, this great week. Amen. It's been an amazing week. God has uh, spoken so much into us, done so much. And uh, thank you for everybody who's participated, from our missionaries to our return church family. Grateful, grateful, grateful. Shannon, I'm going to put you on the spot. Would you come wrap us up with, just, just pray. Pray for us. Wrap, wrap up um, this conference and, and just pray for our, our, our meals. Thank you so much. Thank you to the Haddocks sharing tonight. Thank you for uh, Jacob Mills sharing with us tonight. This has been a wonderful, wonderful week. We've heard from the South Texas border to Mexico, to Japan, to Tanzania, or Kenya, and uh, just awesome, awesome stuff. Um, seeds sown into this body that are going to bear much, much fruit next year when we gather again, and we will, and we invite all of our guests back next year, uh, we, we will uh, see harvest. Uh, because of seeds sown this week. So thank you for those who have ministered to us. Thank you for those who have sown. What a wonderful, wonderful week. Amen. Shannon, will you bless us as we go out tonight? Wow, that was so convicting and so encouraging (laughs) all in one. Honestly, I'm so... um, 
I'm broken right now because I hear the Father's heart for the ends of the earth right here. And it's beautiful. And what a privilege it is to be his hands and feet. And I'm reminded of the song that says, Go ye therefore teach all nations. Go, go, go. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. Go, go, go. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Ghost. Go, go, go. So, Lord, we say yes tonight. And we commit to answer the call. And we yield ourselves to you, Lord. May we not enter a Kroger or fill our cars with gas or brush shoulders with another human being without hearing your heartbeat for them. Lord, cause such a draw and a pull in us, Holy Spirit, like a magnet, like a moth to a flame to a lost soul. And give us wisdom to speak into culture and words of love and affirmation. Give us more of you, Lord. Stretch us. Grow us. And God, I just ask that every person who has come here who has already answered the call, that you would give back to them 100-fold, that they would run and not be weary. And that they would walk and not faint. And that they would have patience in the, in the waiting, God. In the waiting that you would speak to them through dreams. That you would give them words. God, we just prophesy over them that, as I said last night, that, that the seeds that have been planted, we call them forth. And we thank you, God. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for each one of them and how they have poured into our lives today. And we ask a special blessing upon them and their children and their children's children. Yes, God, yes, we say yes. And Lord, we just ask that you would continue to make Return Church a beacon of hope in this community. And that we would never turn away. 
never cower, never, never be afraid. <clears throat> and never be shocked by sin. Yeah. And that we would love like you love, God. And I thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah, because you first loved us. Thank you, God. Mm. It's hard to say goodnight because your presence, Lord, is here and we carry it with us as we fellowship and as we continue to build relationships. And, Lord, we just ask that you would ever be... um, just awaken us to the burden, like, like Pastor Chad said, that we would not, that we, we have a fresh commitment to, to carry in prayer those who go from this house tonight. Lord, cover them, protect them, raise them up on eagles' wings. May they soar. God, we thank you. Open doors. And make provision, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name.